0: Hey, everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's episode, I have two sponsors to thank right off the top. The first is Roback, Roback Activewear. Roback has been gaining traction big time. We love the fit and feel of their gear, the quality is top notch. I want to talk to you about three of their products. First, their performance polos fit so much better than your typical boxy polos, and they have it all fire prints, classic stripes, simple solids. The four way stretch material is next level and wrinkle free while the collars never lose their shape. Combine all of it, and that is why rowback polos are unmatched. The second, their performance Q-Zips are a game-changer when it comes to fall golf. They're so soft, you'll be throwing darts all day. Perfect for a crisp early morning 18, a run around the block, a day in the office, or a night out. They are the definition of versatile And then third, Roback's Performance Hoodies, legitimately the most comfortable hoodies we've worn on the course or off. They are, hands down, the softest, stretchiest hoodies in golf. Things are just asking to be worn out on the links. Listeners, right now, you can go to roback.com, use code TRAP for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C-K dot com. And 20% off all polos, Q-Zips, hoodies, and tees with code TRAP, T-R-A-P. Trust us when we say you can't beat Roback. Check them out now. Thank them for being a great sponsor of the Trap Draw podcast. And then our other sponsor today, our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. And check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA and maybe throw something on the Kings this year. They're looking very spry. So listeners, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code NLU. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank DraftKings for being a great sponsor. And now let's get into today's episode.
1: favorite trapper, the absolute
0: truth. Yeah, no, so so me, Welcome back to the Trap Drop Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Randy. I am flying solo today. My usual co-host Tron Carter is actually over in South Korea. He will be back next week. We will have a chop session downloading all about his adventures there. But we have a wonderful, powerful episode today. It's with one of my favorite people not only in golf, but anywhere, Jim Hartzell. He's got a new book that's just coming out. It's called When Revelation Comes. It's his second book through Back Nine Press. I'd encourage you to go to backninepress.com, order a copy today. It's it's a, it's a powerful book. It's There's no easy way to say it. Jim lost his youngest son in 2021 unexpectedly. And in the wake of that loss, As he was grieving, he took a trip over to Scotland, mainly to clear his head, to get away, to just survive it all. And this book was born out of that trip. I think it's a beautiful book. It's not only a meditation on what it is to love and lose and try to keep going, but it's also a travel companion. It's a guide to wonderful Scottish golf, a lot of golf that's off the beaten path, Jim has been going to Scotland oh gosh for over 30 years now and he just he he loves and appreciates so much of the same things that I do about golf and he talks about a lot of that in this book and he does such a wonderful job of bringing the the people and the places and the golf courses and the holes to life and so it, it's it's this book that's at times it's heartbreaking it it will tear on every emotion that you have. And like I said, it's, it's just a, a beautiful, powerful book. So I am going to speak to him about that today. Before I do, I would point you in a couple directions. Jim has his own website where he keeps most of his writing. It's jhartselgolf.com. Hartzel spelled H-A-R-T-S-E-L-L. jhartsellgolf.com. His writing has been featured in Link's Diary, a wonderful Scottish golf magazine. It's been featured in the Golfer's Journal, a wonderful domestic golf magazine here. And we featured it on our No Laying Up website. His social media accounts, he's on Twitter, at Jim H. Hartzell, and on Instagram, at Jim Hartzell. I'd point you to both of those. And so with all that said, without further ado, let me get into my conversation With Jim about his new book, when revelation comes, I hope you enjoy the conversation. How are you today? Are you at home in Alabama?
1: Yes, I'm at home in my office in uh, Alabama. Uh, Beautiful day here. It's like it's been like 52 degrees here today, which for October the 18th is kind of crazy, but it's it's wonderful. Clear sky, uh, sweater weather. you don't get that much here so we're 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 enjoying it so
0: i i hear you fall fall has come to denver as well it's it's my favorite time of the year so i hope uh wherever people are listening i hope if you're in the northern hemisphere it's a nice fall day and if you happen to be in the southern hemisphere perhaps it's a nice spring day um <laughs> jim the reason the reason for our talk of course you have a new book on the way uh Congratulations. Anytime you can push a book across the finish line, that's a monumental task. I appreciate you coming on the Trap Draw to talk about it. The book is When Revelation Comes. This isn't going to be the easiest conversation. I want to acknowledge that right from the start. I I appreciate you being open and being willing to give me your time and and your thoughts. And I was hoping we could just jump right in. There's a part in your afterword that's written by Wright Thompson and he says, and I'm quoting him, it's a story about a father and a son, about golf, about loss and grief and hope, but it is also a story about trying to fight the finality of death, trying to prove the reaper wrong, and letting love triumph in the end over grief. And so I was hoping, you know, let's just start with, with those words in mind. If you wouldn't mind filling readers in on the events that changed your life and ultimately set you on the course to write this book?
1: Well, yeah. Um and I was fortunate and lucky to have write and write that afterward and Michael Bamberger write the forward, which two of my literary heroes have written something for my book. So it's uh that in itself is kind of amazing. But yeah, it's um uh, I had always intended Randy to to write a book about Scotland. Um I've been going there for 30 years. It's my favorite country. And you know about a year and a half ago what happened kind of changed the course of that. Um I was finishing up the first book I was writing on Sweetens. Uh it was almost done and um you know Jordan had had some problems um and I think you know it's kind of outlined in the book but he was a, he was a good kid and a great kid and a great golfer and he he died suddenly on May 17th of 21 and he was 20 he was 21 years old um he had played college golf off and on for a couple of teams <clears throat> and he just, um, as he had gotten a little bit older in his late teens, not ni- 18, 19, he'd had some problems and I don't know the answer. I don't know why it happened. I, you know, I, I, part of the reason I wanted to write about this was just to keep my own sanity, but maybe try to help some people with, with kids. Um, you know, he he struggled a little bit when he got into his halfway through his senior year of high school. Nothing major but um enough for me to notice. And he was a great golfer. He was he had division one golf offers and um we had spent ten years, you know, going around to play junior golf tournaments and that's what we did. That's what I did. Um that's, that was our thing, and and that was going to be, that's what was going to be my life for the next twenty years, I thought. Um, and he just, for whatever reason, um, and I think I write about it a lot in the book. Um, I think it was some of his friends that he got involved with, and some of his some of his good friends that were good influences left. And he just had one bad night that um, cost him his life, and it was just a complete disaster. I I wrote a story about it for the Golfer's Journal, um, which was kind of a, I would say, a greatly condensed version of this book. Um, When they asked me to to write something about this, uh, which I really appreciate. Those guys are great. and they were so good about how they treated the story. But um I had already written a little bit of this book and I wasn't sure if I was gonna do it. Um, but I decided, okay, well this would sort of be a good way to kind of explain how what I'm gonna do with this book and maybe get it out to more people. So anyway, I that story which was in the I think issue twenty of Golfers Journal, um, is kind of a short version of the book. The book's way longer than that, but it kind of gives the outline. So anyway, yeah, it, it, what happened is, um, you know, after Jordan died, I would just, uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, I couldn't even hardly get out of bed to be honest. And, um, I didn't know what I was going to do to keep going. And so I just, I, you know, part of one of the biggest things of my life has been going on these trips to Scotland, which I've done since I was, you know twenty six twenty seven years old, and I just thought you know I've just got to get away I've got to get away from all of this and see if I can figure out a way to keep living my life and um so I went to Scotland for a month, and in the short version of this and we can get into all this is you know the book is about the month I spent there um in august of of twenty one um you know a few a, you know a few months after Jordan died and, and what happened and how the people treated me and how I, because a lot of people there knew about what happened um and just how they treated me and how that helped me just figure out a way to kind of keep going and try to find a way to, to find something to do with the rest of my life. And that, you know, that's kind of a long answer, but yeah, that's, that's sort of it.
0: And golf, um, you touched on Jordan's golfing ability. It's it was not only something that bonded the two of you, but your your two other sons as well, Jordan's older brothers. Um, you you speak about how golf was really a, a bond between you and your father, and and three generations, and how your father impacted uh, teaching Jordan the game. Can you just kind of talk about? Or maybe add some color to the importance that golf has played uh, across three generations of your family.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been the framework of our life, quite frankly. I mean, you know, that's what we did. I mean, um, you know, my dad um, and my his brother and my grandfather, they all played golf. And, uh, you know, when we went on vacation um, down to the coast in Alabama, we all went, uh, you know, the brothers and sisters and grandfathers. And we, you know, we'd get up at, uh, we would get us tea time at at Gulf state park or, you know, a couple other courses around there at seven o'clock. So we could go play and be back at the condominium or the hotel before everybody really knew what was going on. And, you know, that's that was our life. I mean, we, you know, I've played my entire life. Um, I I taught the game to my boys. Um, my dad was involved a lot because he just is a golf nut. Still seventy, about to be seventy nine. Still plays once a week. And um, you know the two my two older boys loved it, but they were just not naturals. They 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 were baseball and football basketball players and Jordan came along and he just was one of these kids that just when he was 2 years old he'd be out in the backyard hitting these plastic balls like a rocket and you're just like something's not right here I mean and I think you know you you and are around golf a lot and and it, and, it, and this is true for all sports there's something about certain people that is just not um it's not teachable. It's just a natural thing. I mean, you look at Steph Curry or, you know, Mahomes or all these guys, like Bryce Young at Alabama, um, go to Tennis Borg or McEnroe. I mean yes, it there's just some natural thing. And so Jordan had that from day one and I I never was one of these guys to, to push stuff, but um he just had this ability. And so it just kind of developed and we would, I I started taking him all the time to the range when he was five and six. And we, he just would never, he wanted to play all the time. He was always out in the yard hitting balls. And, um, so we, um, when he was about nine, he just said, and this Hartsell, Alabama is a crazy baseball town. I mean, it's just a, it's just an obsessed baseball town and football, but actually probably more baseball. And he he was a good baseball player. And he asked me, I still remember to this day, I was sitting here where I am now. He's like, Dad, do you mind if I quit baseball and just focus on golf? And I was like, Jordan, I do not know. If that's what you want to do, let's do it. And so we just went, we went into it. Just hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I, that's all we did. That's all we did for the next ten years. And um, you know, the other boys love the game, and I still play with them. And they, we talk golf, and uh, and they love it. And and but they weren't they weren't the way he was about it. They didn't have that natural just ability to do it. So anyway, well, that's that's what we did for for you know for a long time and and um you know the game's just been kind of again going back to what I at the start's been kind of the framework of of my life and around my that's how I've planned trips that's how I've you know it's just it's just what I love and um you know I just think the game is something that um you know this is a horrible subject in some respects although that's not the whole point of the book but it just it it gives you a I don't know maybe this is a bit too it just gives you it gives you a way to live your life, I think, and for me anyway, and I, I've just a lot of what I do has been revolved around the, around the game and, and my family, so anyway this book is about your
0: trip to Scotland in August of 2021 as you mentioned prior to this trip, though, I was hoping you could touch on your history with Scotland, which I know even you and I have discussed on some prior episodes uh, going back to our Sweetens Cove discussion when you wrote that book. Uh, Our discussion about some of your favorite golf books has has a strong Scottish tie-in. So I think some folks may know your history with Scotland and Scottish golf. But for those that don't, I was hoping you could Talk about your history when you first got to Scotland and the role it has played in your love of golf.
1: Yeah, it's you know I've write about it in this book a lot, and you're right. I've I've, I've talked about it a good bit, but you know I just um, when I was a kid, man, I just I don't know what it was, Randy, but the Open Championship. I would just my dad loved the tournament he loved the masters in the open championship. And so we would watch that religiously and and they only, they only played uh, back then the Saturday and Sunday, or it was only on TV on Saturday and Sunday and really only for, I don't know, the last six, seven, eight holes. But I just, I remember watching that and I, with him and just thinking there's something about this. that's just, I don't know, the, the courses, the way the people are acting, the gallery, the, the way the ball rolls, the the, the, the land, the, it's just so beautiful. And I just became obsessed with it. I remember, I clearly remember, even though I was only about eight or nine, I remember watching a little bit of the Carnoustie open at 75 that Watson won with my dad. I remember watching the one with Miller and Ballesteros came down to the end Did Johnny Miller won in 76. I think that was Burkdale. And then 77 is the one that I can just remember as clear as me and you sitting here talking, Uh, me and my dad sitting watching that on Saturday and Sunday. And it was Nicholas and Watson. And, you know, everybody knows the story of that open. It just, but I just remember the course was so, I'm like I can't believe how good this is, and just these panoramic shots they've had, and of, of and you know showing the ocean and the the way the ball was rolling, and Watson and Nicholas, and just the, the way the crowd reacted. And I just I just I remember, and I think I've said this in the book. My dad was said, you know, we we've got to go someday, and I was what ten then, and we finally, um and it was you know another. Sixteen years after I'd gotten out of college, and we decided to, that we were going to go. And he told me, and I didn't have any money then. My dad paid for everything. I mean, I've I've got to say that. I mean, I, I, these first two or three trips I could never have done without him. Uh, which I'm sure a lot of people can say that about their parents. But, um, you know, he he said, "Look, I I I want to." let's go over there. Let's stay for two weeks. And he said, the only thing, and says, I still remember, it. he said, I, I just want to play the old course and I want to play Carnoustie. He said, other than that, we can go anywhere you want. You've set up the whole thing. <laughs> so, so I did it and I had in this, I've told you a little bit about this and I think you're a big fan of, of Michael Bamberger. As well as I am. Oh yes. Oh yes. Uh, he's. He's. I just think he's the greatest American or the greatest living golf writer, in my opinion. But um, I had re- I had recently read his book to the Linksland, which we've talked about a little bit. And so I told my dad. I said, "Well, look, we're going to go to Macrahanish and Dunaverty for a week." No, I didn't. Even, I didn't say Dunaverty because I didn't know. About I said we're going to go to Macrahanish for a week. I found out about Dunaverty when I was down there. And I said we'll go down there, and then we'll go to, to uh, the old course in Carnoustie, and we went to Dornick. Um, but we spent a week in MacRahanish, and we went over to Dunaverty. And I've got to admit that changed the entire course of my life. I just, I still think about that trip. This was '94. I still think about that trip to this day. I just we, I played MacRahanish, Randy. 36 holes a day I'd get up one day I played 54 and it's great to be young and (laughs) you know you I'm sure you can maybe you can still do it a little bit but I mean you just I can remember just walking all day and just not wanting to quit and it never gets dark as you know it gets it gets dark at 11 o'clock at night or whatever and in the summer and so you can just play golf and uh so we did that for two or three days at Macrohannish and I know this is a long answer, but it just uh it's kind of a key thing that started me on this path. Um and I say this in the book, but I one day I was the place we were staying was this beautiful house right across the eighteenth fairway from Mac- on Macrohannish. And I was standing outside and the, the guy the man that owned the house, David Baxter, I'd gotten to know him, of course, after two or three days. You know how you know, going over there and staying in these places is, is more than half the fun. The people that you meet, but anyway, he said, "Well, Jim, what are you going to do this afternoon?" I, I'd already played Macerhandis once, and I said, "Well, I, I guess I'm just going to go back out and and play Macerhandis again." It it was like it was 18 pounds a day for a day ticket, which, as you know, means you can play all day. So, and I'd already bought the day ticket. He said, "Well, look, why don't you go over to?" denarity and play i think you'd really like that and i'd never heard of the place so my dad was already in the clubhouse ordering lunch and um i said all right and so mr baxter wrote down some directions which i wish i still had but um that was before google maps and stuff and um i went and found my dad and we got a sandwich i said look we're gonna we're gonna drive over to denarity and play Mr. Baxter said we should. And he said, and my dad was great. He just, you know, he was so, he, to this day, he just, uh he was like, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. He was just, he didn't care about, you know, he didn't care about checking off Muirfield or Turnberry, or, even though those places are great and I love every one of them. But, you know, so anyway, we went over, spent the afternoon, wound up playing 36 holes. And I have gone back, uh, I'm going to go back in May. I think it will be my 10th trip. I was a member at Macrahanish for 15 years. I've been a member at Danaverty for a few years now. Uh, I always go there. I love it. I just think, I don't know. It You know, you can't quantify certain things, how you feel about things. But I, a lot of the book is set in... Campbelltown, Denavity Macrahanish, and um it's just my favorite spot and uh, and I still go. I go to a lot of the other places too, but I I never go without going going down there. Uh so anyway it, that's what started it and um I've kept going. I've, you know, there's been a, there's been stretches over the years where the economy was horrible and work was horrible and family stuff and I maybe I couldn't go for two or three four years. But I've been able to keep it up and um i went with my dad a lot those early years and then i took jake and i've gone by myself a lot and so anyway that's it's just my favorite place and um uh, i know I'm, I'm talking a lot here but i just um i love it i love the country and i love the people i'd live there if i could i, I you know after that first trip i honestly came back and started looking at that was before i got to, you know i had too many family obligations and i i started looking at well, how can i move there what can i do do they need architects in <laughs> glasgow or edinburgh i found out quickly that they had plenty of uh, uk <laughs> architects and uh, so i just there wasn't a way to do it but i i you know anyway it's um uh, it's been it's been honestly my the biggest my personal Hobby, or just the thing that I've loved for most of my adult life, well, and I think um it's it's vitally important to
0: your story and the story you've written about in the book here. I don't want to harp on that immediate aftermath after the loss of Jordan, but obviously you're you're drowning in in grief, and i'm I'm curious when you knew you had to go to Scotland, what, what that was like when that realization came to you?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I would say Randy that Uh, honestly, I remember the day because I just, it was all everything. You know, I was the one that that found him and I just, um, that is clear, but I just, after that day, I, things were kind of blurry, or really kind of blurry, because you're just so overwhelmed, you can't even really comprehend what's happening. It, honestly, you can't. You don't know if you're awake or asleep, or it's even happening, and um, I mean, even I think I wrote about the funeral itself, I just, I remember the start of it, but I don't remember I remember Jake helping me even walk up to the funeral. I couldn't even hardly walk and, um, but I don't remember much about it. And then I, I remember talking to some people afterward and cause I've, there's some stuff I've, I just remember, but, um, and then after that, it just, uh, I just, it was like, I, I couldn't sleep and and I still, my sleep has gotten a little bit better, but, I mean, I I wouldn't sleep for more than 15 minutes at a time. And I just, I know people that listen to this and have been through this, a tragedy like this can relate, but you just, your mind just shuts down and you just can't. So I, w- I was just exhausted all the time. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't think about anything. And I wasn't getting a lot done. Um, you know, I did manage to get the book for Sweetness done, which is a miracle. And, um, you know, Jim Sitar, the editor, helped me a lot. I just, at one point I told Jim, I'm like, I don't know if I could even do this. I just, I've I'd, I'd been working on it for two years and I, and we were almost done. And then this happened and, but he helped me. And that, that, that brought me out a little bit of, got me doing some stuff. And, but I just felt like that, um, that was ongoing for several weeks and, um, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to play golf. I mean, you know how much I love Sweetens Cove and I just didn't even, I did not want to go up there. I I obviously didn't want to think about it. And I got a card from somebody. I got so many messages from people. Honestly, I can't even, I haven't even been able to answer all of them. There were so many. And there was one where a guy, he said, uh, you know, if you're, when you're ready to play golf again, you know, you'll find Jordan on the golf course. And I read that and I was just like, I don't know. And I, but it kind of resonated with me a little bit. And that's when I started thinking about it. I had, I had been planning, honestly, before this happened, I'd had like, like everybody, I'd had a trip planned. Um, Jake and I had gone to Scotland in 2019. And I referenced that a good bit in the book. That's my middle son, and uh, we had such a great trip, um, but we'd have planned another one, and COVID, of course, we'd canceled it three or four times. I can't even remember, so I'd had one planned, and then they kept getting canceled, then this, this tragedy happened, and uh, I don't know. I just, um, I wasn't feeling like I was getting any better I just maybe a little bit I finished the book but I couldn't really I couldn't do anything and I just um I had my my good friend in Scotland Robbie um he was one of the first people I had told about this thing and we talked a little bit and um I called him we were going to we had scheduled time to talk and uh, cause, you know they're they're 6 hours ahead of us or whatever and um, I started telling him, I said, you know, Robbie, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not getting any better. I just feel like I need to get away. I said, would you mind if I came over and stay with you? And I, before I even could even really get that out, he was like, Jim, look, you come over here, you can stay with my house as long as you want to. And he lives about, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes north of. Macrohannis, Denaverde, and La and, um, I said, okay, we didn't talk very long, and, um, then a couple weeks later, I, I said, look, I'm gonna come stay for a month, it's like, you do whatever you want, you can stay here, I'll do whatever I can to help you, and that's what, you know, that's what golf, I think, does, you know, it gets a lot of, uh, Twitter's horrible in a lot of respects, but it's good in a lot of respects. I mean, the people that you meet, there's so many good people, like legitimately good hearted people. Um, Of course, you've got crazy people, but you've got people that care. And I just felt like, okay, if I can get away and maybe refocus and figure out what I'm going to do for the next, I hope I live another 20, 30 years. And, and you know, what am I going to do from now on? And so that was my plan. I mean, it was just a plan that kind of hatched in the moment and, um, it wound up actually probably saving me. And that's, that's the book I think talks about that a a good bit. And that's one of the themes, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it came about. It's, it's a book that it's
0: a travel companion. And I think, I think it's a travel companion not only for a golf journey to Scotland, which is magnificent, but it's a travel companion for anybody going through the the grieving process, which I think is very, very important. and And I want to ask you about both of those things a little bit. Before I do, though, when did your trip turn into something that you needed to experience for yourself, when, when did it turn into something that you wanted to share with everybody through through a book? Do you remember well, how that came about, that you wanted to write about it and share everything that was going on?
1: I sort of, yeah. I mean, I had always planned to write a book about Scotland. I mean, I've been going over there since 94, and I've been studying it longer than that. And I just, uh, I'll, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a book about this someday. I mean, you know, Bamberger is one of my heroes. James Finnegan, who wrote about Scotland, a great guy from Philadelphia. Uh, Herbert Wynn, Darwin. I mean, all these people. And I'm like, did influence me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to write about this one day. And so I'd always had that at the back of my mind. Um, but I found that one of the things and to, right into this day, even now, um, it's one of the things that's helped me deal with this. And maybe it's just taking your mind off of it, but maybe it's the fact that I know how much Jordan loved golf and how much he, how much, you know, honestly, he was excited about the writing I was doing. And I don't, it just makes me feel good. It gives me a sense of purpose to, to do this stuff. And so i I was had already I was finished I'd finished the Sweetens book and I'd actually started sketching out um, after I took this trip I got actually I kept a I always keep a journal on these trips and um, I recommend that to anybody that does something like this I've got a stack of them here and I I, every night and I know it's hard to do sometimes especially if you've had a couple of tenants or or what have you but um (laughs) when you get back to the room write down what happened that day i'm telling you whether you're a writer or not i go back and look at these things and it reminds me of stuff and i so anyway i that I, i i've always done that and on this trip i did it even more so and i started getting back and looking at all what i've written down and what happened and you know, some of the stuff that Robbie and I did and some of the people that I met, Alistair McDougall and just these people, Donnie McLean, I mean, just they were so, so good to me. I mean I wrote this stuff down when I got to my room at night and I thought, All right, I'm gonna start planning out this book. And I hadn't even told the editor my editor Jim for the sweetens book, but I I did a I did a sort of outline and then i just one weekend i wrote a couple of chapters which is hard to write two chapters in a weekend i just that's a lot um for somebody who's been grinding on a book for the last year but they just came out and i thought you know i just need to it made me feel good to do it it gave me a sense of purpose but i also had you know Part of this is I want people that have gone through something similar, and there's unfortunately there's so many of them because they've they've written me letters and they've sent me emails. And our country is in a somewhat of a crisis in many ways, but especially with uh, fentanyl, and it's just I don't even know what to say about it. It's it's a bad, bad, bad problem um and Adderall and just you know these drugs that we I don't know I don't know I we, we we I just wanted people that may have children I thought well, if I can if I can explain what happened here for some kid that was so happy and was the sweetest happiest kid that you would ever know and maybe some parent can learn from this that was part of it um but a big part of it was wanting to tell this in the Scottish, the story of, of all my time in Scotland and how much I loved it. And, and I think you would admit from reading the book that it's, it's, as you say, it's a, it's a travel book too. I mean, it's, um, I don't want it to just be about that, even though I want that message to get across to people. Um, so I just felt like at the time, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and around that time, golfers journal, uh, Travis and um uh, asked me about writing this did I want to write a story about this and I I said you know um I don't know I've already written a little bit I'm thinking about writing a book I've already written some of the book he said well think about it and honestly Randy I just I I got up uh, one Saturday morning and I came in my office where I am now and I literally wrote that golfer's journal story out straight out without stopping in four or five hours and i hadn't told travis or anything and it was just like a stream of consciousness thing and it just and i thought okay so i told i texted him and i said look i'm gonna do it and he he was like okay great and i sent it to him (laughs) and they hardly changed anything in that story. I mean, um you know, Tom Coyne has been great to me. Tom's their main edit, one of their main editors now and has been nothing but great to me and he he read the story and they just they were like, "Well, this is great." You know, this is we're going to get our best photographer and and I, that that encouraged me to keep going with the book. Quite frankly, I thought, "Well, if they think this is good, then I just need to I got to finish this book." And um so that's kind of what what spurred me on, and you know that story came out. I don't remember uh, May, I think, of this year, and I just got such a reaction from people from people that have been through similar things, and um, or people that had young children, which meant a lot to me, or even people that didn't. I mean, just like I've got a, I need to, I need to, I need to look at the way I spend every day of my life and make the most out of it. I mean, that that's what I wanted to happen from this. And I hope the book will continue that. And, you know, that the reaction to that story actually spurred me on to, cause finishing this book was hard. Um, it was very hard. I mean, some of the stuff in there is just very, very hard to write about. And it just, I broke down when I was writing it, but, it's. I'm glad that it's in there, and I'm glad that it's the way that it is. But I'm also glad that it's. It's a story about Scotland, and so I know. Again, I'm. I'm kind of, really talking a lot here, but I just uh, that was, that kind of spurred me on to finish it and do it, and uh, I just really want. I really wanted to get out to a lot of people, and um, you know, I. I promoted a good bit on Twitter and Instagram, but um, that's the only way I know to. I almost feel like I do it too much, but i just i really want people to read this story because it means a lot to me so mhm
0: well i i as somebody that doesn't have kids it's i I can tell anybody listening it's it, it it will affect you and it will make you appreciate those in your life and um all all the things you want it to do i it accomplishes that so it it's not just a story for folks that do have kids i i I do want to mention that um on the golf side uh, when when we talk about going to scotland you had mentioned you had a trip planned and then covid kind of set everything back and and you had to postpone that trip uh when you went finally in august of 2021 on the trip you talk about in your book did you have an itinerary? Did you have places you wanted to visit? I, I imagine there were some places you needed to visit. What What were your yeah. goals from a golf and, um, I hate to say tourist because that doesn't feel right, uh, fr- from a visitor's perspective, what did you want to accomplish
1: with this trip? Well, you know, it's interesting. As many times as I've been, and i you know, I love the logistical aspect of these trips and your buddy tron feels the same way i know it just yes i love that he does i I love the planning part of this I, i just i always have going back to that first trip in 94 i have a entire notebook of the letters that i wrote to muirfield and turnberry and the old course i've kept all that stuff and that was before email and st- um, that's how old I am. I mean, you had to wrap, write like real letters to people and mail them. And I love that part of it. But you know, the funny thing about this one is honestly, I was so desperate to do this. And again, you asked me and I just, I don't know the feeling was, I've just got to go over here. I've got to go and get out of, out of Alabama and get out of the U S and get away from this nightmare. Um And I just, I didn't, um, I didn't plan it as much as I normally do, as as I always have. I just, you know, the funny, uh, two days before I was about to leave, Randy, the COVID restrictions, I was going to have, this is how desperate I was to do this. The COVID, I was going to have to quarantine for eight days at Robbie's house. And I had to register with the British government, all this crazy stuff. And I was I was planning to do that. I was planning to spend eight days sitting in Robbie's back garden drinking tenants or whatever I was gonna do and not do anything. And he was fine with that. And so two days before my plane was leaving, they changed the the uh uh restrictions and all of a sudden I had eight or nine days totally free. I had nothing planned. I mean, all I had to do was take a COVID test when I got there, and uh, they the U- UK is way more organized than we are. They they mailed it to Robbie's house. I did the test, mailed it to them. I, I had the uh, I had the negative thing like that the next the next afternoon morning after I got there. Actually, I got an email. So all of a sudden I had eight days where I had nothing planned. So I just, I would ask Robbie, I was like, well, where should I go? And he would be like, well, why don't you go to Isle of Seal Golf Club? He said, I've driven by there. I, it's I, it's just right down your alley. So I'd get up, he'd go to work and I'd drive up. It would, I think it was an hour up the road, hour and a half to this little place. And he was like, while you're there, go out to, uh go out and do this or go do that. Take the ferry out to, uh, Easdale, this Island where they, all the slate for the, he knows I'm an architect, all the slate for the roofs in the UK has been mined and you'll love it. And just, so anyway, that's what I did. I, I, the first, I went down to the I had, um, went to Macrahanish. Um, I just had free time. What we had, uh, and I wanted to go to call and say, I just out of the blue, I'd I ask Robbie about going out there. It's it's an hour, you know, it's a hour drive, but then about a three hour ferry ride to get out to this place. It's a a 13 square mile Island with a golf course in the, in the Atlantic. So yes, that, so all of a sudden I had free time and I just did all this random stuff. Um, I had a few things planned. um, I was I was going to Durness, I had that planned. Um I had a couple things up there, Ray and Wick planned. But honestly, I just played that for the most part I played the trip by ear. I just which I've never done. Um and the thing is there was nobody there because of COVID. Um I didn't really need any tea times. Of course a lot of these places you don't really anyway. I mean if I felt like it was a place that I needed to let them know I was coming, I'd call or I'd send an email and say, "Look, I'm I'm going to be in Wick or Thurso. Can I come play tomorrow?" And a hundred percent of the time, they're like, "Yes, <laughs> come. We'd love to have you." Um, or I'd call. So I didn't really, honestly, I I had hardly anything planned. I I had Presswick. At the end, because uh, that's one you got to kind of get a tea time for. But so I just did what came. I I knew. I guess I would say that I knew the direction I was going to go. I knew I wanted to go to call and say, and I managed to do that. But I managed to do that in some free time. So I guess what I'm saying is, I I, I had this month or 31 days, and then all of a sudden I had eight free days. And so it just opened up all this other stuff. I mean, I just, I just went, I just went, you know, one day I was driving up um from Fort William in the Highlands where I'd stayed with Robbie's uh, daughter and her boyfriend and they were so good to me. And I saw this sign for Isle of Skye and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Isle of Skye. I had, and I just, it was like 30 miles or something. So I went out there, played golf. Came back. Um, I just did what I wanted. I, if I saw a sign, I went somewhere. It and I've never, I've never done it that way. I've, I've always been fairly meticulous about the planning. And I have to say, it was fun. I mean, even as you know, it was, it was. There was, I was obviously there was, I was getting over some a uh, horrible thing. But it was, it was really fun to just get up every morning and think, okay, I'm going to drive north on the A whatever, eight, nine, or the eight, 82, whatever it is. And if I see a sign, I'm going to go there. And I'm going to, if I see a golf course, I'm going to stop. And that's kind of how it happened. I mean, I probably had three or four places that, you know, were set. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, it just, it was just kind of how it happened.
0: And because it is a travel companion and you do such a wonderful job of describing your experiences on the golf course and giving the reader a sense of place at these courses and in, in this part of the world. I don't want to spoil too much and ask you too many specific questions, but I am curious, however many months on, is there one place, maybe a new place or a new experience that, that really
1: sticks with you to this day? Yeah. I'm a I'm a nut about Scottish golf. I'll 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 admit it, and um, I try not to be. I just think it's so unique, and the depth of courses is mind blowing. It's just the depth of courses. You drive by these little towns, you see this place, and you're like, I've got to stop there. I've got to stop and play nine holes. So yeah, it. I went to my normal places, but. Now this is a hard question, but I have to say, Randy, there was this place at Garelock that just blew my mind. I just, it was up north, uh, west going up to Durness. And I, I went up, that's when I was driving up from Isle of Skye. And, um, I knew I had a, I was, I knew I was going to go there, but I didn't know much about the golf course. And I had a hotel room booked and I got there late. That night, and just you know how it is—you go into the restaurant and you go in and say, "Can I get a table for eight o'clock?" and go eat and drink a beer and go to bed. And so I went to the golf course the next morning. It's a nine-hole course, and there was nobody there, and it was an honesty box, and they had a nice little clubhouse, but it was it wasn't open, and I hadn't booked it or anything, but I didn't think I needed to. And so I went out, played nine. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. I just don't even understand, you know, why are people, why, 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 why is nobody talking about this? It, it just, I met the greenskeeper on the third, I think it was. Yeah, he was out there. He was only one out. It was early. And I love talking to greenskeepers. I, that probably my favorite pastime, honestly, when I'm out by myself. If I see the greenskeeper, of course, most of the time he's going to say something to me first, but I'm going to speak to him, and I just love talking to these guys. And, you know, the thing about it is these places, Randy, these guys, it's like one guy taking care of this place. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And this place was immaculate, and I'm not a big-conditioned person, but I just, the course was immaculate. But other than that, hole after hole, it was just like, what in the world? It just, I this place is just incredible and it's, it's it, and so i that was one um I got done and I I went in the when I got done the the rest the clubhouse was open which actually was a cafe that was just doubled as the clubhouse and um I went in and got my sausage roll and stuff and I just the lady said well, what do you think I said I just I can't even believe this really I just you know and she just kind of laughed and um so I I had planned, um, I was only going to stay there one night and, um, uh, I'm like, I'm going out, I'm going out again. And I called the hotel and I'm like, can y'all give me another night? And they, they're like, yeah, we're not busy. So I wound up playing there again before I went up to Durness. And that's one that just, yeah, I I would say of the, and there's a bunch that I, you know, Ray and Wick and Durness, Durness is brilliant, but, the one that just kind of blew my mind was Garlock. I just, there's a couple of holes there that I just, I, st- I look at the pictures. I mean, I've got a, I've got one or two of the pictures in the book. I just don't even understand how that, you know, it, that's the thing about Scotland. you, you, you go and you get these little nine hole courses that are just hole after hole are perfect. And it's just like a jewel box of golf. And, So yeah, that was the one, and I I get excited, but, um, and Durness is right close to that. I mean, that whole north of Scotland is just, that that was one of the last places that I had never been all these years I've been going, was that very, very northwest stuff, the north coast, they call it the 500, the north 500 or whatever it was just brilliant and it's just this bleak beautiful landscape and the people i don't even know what to say but they, that was that was the one that kind of jumps out at me yeah
0: i i love that i love that um <laughs> your 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 picture taking is phenomenal i'm looking at a scottish golf calendar that you sent me for 2022 and tell readers that you're offering 2023 calendars for sale on your website. And so a lot of these magical places that you speak about in the book, not only are some of the pictures in the book, but you know, you you have a wonderful calendar available. Um, You know, Jim, I personally, I I so loved reading about the 11th T at Denaverty and why that is so special to you. Uh it is truly your holy place. That was one of my favorite parts of the book. I, I just like I said, it's it's such a wonderful companion to I, I think back, you know, Tom Coyne, somebody that we've mentioned, his book, uh Course Called Ireland, was really the first golf book. A lot like To the Linksland Land did for you in the nineties. I think Tom's book about Ireland really transported me over there and planted that seed that not only do I want to get over here and see all this for myself one day, but it, it just becomes the, the traveling and the golf and how those two intermingle. It just becomes such an important part of of not only who you are, who I am, uh, it, it can be a lot f- for us. And so... Yeah, I, I that's it, it's it's a wonderful look into Scottish golf, and you have so much wonderful things to say about the golf over there. Uh, I, I just want to commend you for that. And and again, I think you know a podcast like this, we can never do it justice, and I don't even want to do it justice. I, I th- that's what the book is for, and um, I, I just want to impress that well, upon the
1: listeners. You know if. Um I've, I've tried not to get emotional, but I'm thinking about the 11th tee at the Naverty, uh The 10th hole plays up the hill. It's a par 3. And it's called Mount Zion. Zion, which is a a biblical reference. Um, but when you climb up that hill and you sit on that, that, that tee, and I think you and I, you asked me this in one of the other podcasts, maybe the Sweetens podcast. But, you know, we all have different beliefs in the world, and, you know, but if you, if you, if you sit on that T, and don't believe in something, then I don't know what to do for you. And I'm not saying it's, uh. God or whatever, but it's just, uh, you know, it's just my place that I, that I've loved all these years. And, um, it just, so happens, uh, it plays a big role in the book and it's kind of, it's kind of mentioned in that it is mentioned in the golfer's journal story, but I, I expand on it a good bit in the book and, um, I don't know. I don't know what makes you love certain things. I just, you know, I've got a, I've got a list in the appendix of the book of, uh, my hundred favorite holes in Scotland or the hundred. I call, I think I called it the hundred best. hole. no, I think I did say favorite, which was a smart move. Um, yeah. because people will say, people will say, Oh, that's not the best. The, the, exactly. The, you know, the fourth at Carnoustie is the best or the, Whatever you know how you know how it goes, and so I did put a disclaimer that look these are my favorite holes. I can't explain why um, it's not necessarily championship golf or architecture or it's. I can't tell you. Maybe it's quirkiness or maybe it's who knows what it is. But um, but when I sit up there and, and you know I did it. Um, I went back in May of this year for almost three weeks and spent time with Robbie and we, we went out to the and you know, I just, even every time I go there, I just, I, I don't know. I just, um, I can't explain why I feel such a connection with the place. The first time I went there in 94, I just fell in love with it. And it's just something I can't, you know, I, I'm sure people listening have places that they go, that they, that something happens and you're just like, okay, this is where I feel at home or there's something special about this. But yeah, I mean, sitting up there on that 11th tee, I just, anybody that listens to this, you know, if you can make it down the mul to the mullet of tire and, um, get out there. Um, and I, you know, almost without fail people that I've, that have asked me about going and have gone. Or like you were right, this is incredible, and um, it's not just an average, it's macrohanish, and but yeah, I just that's the place for me, and I just, um, you know, I sat out there for an hour in May, I, I played by myself a couple of times, and I talk about it a lot in the book. I don't think I say this in the book, but I want to say it here. I do talk about this gentleman in the book, Donnie McClain. uh, he he owns the an Airbnb, not far from the fourth hole at Dinavvy. It's one of the most incredible spots on the planet, quite frankly. And I stayed there in '21. It's in the book a lot. Um, but I was when I was down there, and I, I got to tell this real quick if you'll let me. When I was when I was there in May, I had not been able to book the place. It was it was full. Uh, it was all fully booked, and I was staying with Robbie and. I drove down to the and I was playing by myself and I was coming up the fourth walking up by the, by the beach. And I saw Donnie McLean overworking at his, at his little two houses over there on the point, not far from the, the home. And I started walking over there and he looked up and saw me and he said, before I even said anything, he said, Jim, and I, and he just like came out and hugged me and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm back, Donnie. I said, I couldn't, Book your place. You were you were full. It was fully booked. And he's like, "Well, you should have called me out to figure something out." And I said, "Well, I'm staying with Robbie." And um anyway, we talked for about ten minutes, and before I even got through playing golf, he sent me a message, and he said, "Look, somebody has canceled on me for the next four nights. Why don't you come stay here?" And Randy, I think I've got a picture in the book, but this place is. Not even describable in words. It's just like not even realistic. He said, like, "Why don't you come stay here? I'm not charging you anything. Please come." And I told Robbie, "I said, Robbie, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving your house. I'm, I'm, Donny has given me the cottage at at Danaverty, and he didn't even he didn't even charge me a dime. And it, it and he he it's in the book. He knew what had happened, and he just." I can't, I can't say enough about people, you know, as bad as this world is, you get up and watch morning Joe and you're like, Oh my God, what is, what is happening? China's crazy. Putin, all these people, what are we going to do? But they're still good people. And, um, the man let me stay at his house for nothing for four nights. And I just, I walked out and played the fourth hole at the at night and, I can't describe, I mean, it's just like a dream. So I just, um, that place is, is very special. And the people there are very special. And, um, I know that kind of transition from the 11th hole, but I just had to, the fact that this man just, somebody had canceled on him and he just said, all right, you can just have my house for four nights and didn't charge me a dime. And anyway, that's, I've got some strong feelings about the place. And, um, I'm hoping to go back in May. I'm actually hoping to have a book signing there in May. I really want to do that. Um the people have been so good to me and um hopefully we can get that to work out. But uh Yeah. It's uh you've been a good bit. I enjoyed your um I surely I really enjoyed when you're over at Muirfield for the for the women. So I just I got a big kick out of that and um that you know. And yeah. I'm a, look, I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of Muirfield and Meerfield is brilliant. It's it's probably the best championship golf course, quite honestly. So I love those all those courses too, and I I don't turn down an invitation to go. But I've always had a soft spot for the Naverty and MacRaehanis and Durness and Gerlach and Anstruther and Cullen and Winterfield, and these are the places that I just does something to me that I can't really explain. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, well.
0: Yeah. And I, I would just say as somebody that has never been to the West coast of Scotland myself, your love of these places and the treatment you give them in the book and, you know, through our numerous conversations, it's, it's at the top of my list of, of places to experience golf courses to see and play. And I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for that. Um, uh, you've mentioned a couple times the the kindness of of people to you throughout this book. Uh, I do want to say it's it's extremely deserved, Jim. You're one of the most gentle, thoughtful, kind people I know. Um, but it, it is it, it is a thread of the book, and and I think it's one of my favorite aspects of your book. Just the the way whether through a uh you know something big like letting you stay at a house for four days or just some small things right a uh, a hug or a, a hand on the shoulder or or whatever it may be listen, um, i I so appreciate that message that is also conveyed in your book
1: well listen, it actually probably is my favorite thing about the book to be quite honest i just um you know I have something in there about when I went to to Goldspey, which is a place I dearly, dearly love. A brilliant, brilliant golf course. Not far from Brora, which you, you know Brora. Um, not far from Dornock, another place you know very well. Uh, but I'd finally gotten to this place, and um, I'd always wanted to go, and I just hadn't been able to do it. You know, these trips are just so, especially for somebody like me, who dreams about this stuff, and plans it out and so every day and every hour is so precious and you just you try to fit in stuff and but i finally got to ghost and um alistair mcdougall who's the club secretary uh, treasurer had been fo- he follows me on twitter he knew he'd been following my trip and he knew i was coming and he met me when i got there and those people were just so great to me and they didn't i think i said it in the book i Started to try to pay, and they were like, "No, don't worry about it. Just go have fun." And I don't know. He never said anything about what was going on, and but I I sensed that he knew, you know, what I was going through, and I just sensed that he. And maybe I'm completely off base, but I I just sensed that he felt like you know I just I want to let this guy have a good time, and I want to I want to you know, help him and and so I had I had a great day there and, and and, you know, you know, ate lunch with all those club officers and played this brilliant just bizarre Lynx Heathland Parkland golf course. It's like nothing I've ever played. So that is my probably my favorite theme of the book is that what you touched on is just the kindness of, of people that I've met. Uh, And what they've they've done and, um, you know, how they've helped me out. And, you know, I've said it a hundred times, but I mean, I couldn't have stayed over there for a month if um, Robbie hadn't let me stay at his house for half the time. I mean, that, you know, I don't, you know, who has that kind of money to, to do something like that? And, you know, I stayed at his house and we'd go to the chip shop or we'd cook whatever. I mean, just, you know, it didn't cost me anything. And I couldn't have done it without him. And so, you know, those, those stories are my favorite parts of it. And I, I wanted, I wanted the book to, to, to be a love letter to Scotland. Um, cause I do think the people, and I, I do try to touch on this. I think they have an empathy that is different than we do in America i mean we're we're still young in America, and you know they have a history that 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 goes back and it's not a pleasant history and um they're an oppressed they've been an oppressed people they've had a hard time and they i think they have, because of that, I think they have an empathy for people that is different and i just that's just the way I feel about it and it came across to me, and it helped me honestly it helped me get to where I am right now that I'm able to work and write and, you know, still talk to you and have try to do something with my life, you know, after what's happened. So yeah, that's honestly, that's probably my favorite theme of the book. As much as I dearly, dearly love talking about these golf courses and you will see in the book that I go into detail about every one of these golf courses that I go to and I wanted to, but, what I tried to do was talk about the people that I met and how they treated me and what they did for me. And so that's honestly, that's, yeah, that's probably my favorite part. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. Um,
0: I, I only want to mention too, obviously a big thrust of your book is, and and it's where the title comes from you experience a, a, a revelation of sorts on your trip. I, I, I really don't want to ask you about that because I think that's one of the big payoffs of the book, and so I want listeners to to really feel and experience that for themselves. Um, I do, though, want to ask you about, uh, you've alluded to, to Michael Bamberger and his book, To the Link's Land, and, and what that did for you. He wrote the foreword to your book, Wright Thompson, who I think most listeners will know, he's an exceptionally gifted writer himself, does a lot of voiceover work for golf events. He wrote The Afterword. I'm curious how that went, reaching out to those two gentlemen. Did you know it was going to be? I I assume Michael was maybe more of an obvious choice. How did the decision to reach out to Wright come about? And, uh, you know, how receptive were they? to providing the, the forward and afterward respectively for your book?
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I, I'm, I'm really, really happy to talk about it. Um, I love both of those guys. I've got every book that they've written sitting on my shelf above me here. Um, You know, it's funny. I had um, Bamberger was kind of my hero along with Darwin and, Herbert Wynn as far as golf riding. And I had actually talked to him in 93 when I was planning this first trip. He was a writer at uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Had a phone conversation with him about, I called him about the book. This was pre Twitter and internet days. And he talked to me. He was very nice. He, He doesn't, of course he wouldn't remember that now, but, um, He helped me. I asked him about going to Mackerhannis and Cruden Bay and Dornoch, and he was so nice. And he probably wasn't, you know, five or six, seven years older than me, quite frankly, uh, back then. Um, But I sent him um, in the Sweetens Code book. I, I think you know, I'm I'm big on quotes from authors, and as you know, and I know it's something you enjoy. And so I, in the Sweetens book, I I do want to say.
0: Yeah. I want to interrupt. You have a quote at the beginning of every chapter in when revelation comes and I absolutely love it. I, you're exactly right. I I love a good quote and both of your books are
1: chock full of them. Well, it's, I love it. I'm a reading is my passion and I've got books. I've got books stacked on the floor. I've run out of shelf space here in my office. I'm, I'm a book nut. Uh, but so I, I had a quote from Michael in the first chapter of the Sweetens book, and I just I had kind of talked about. And you you are man. You've been to Sweetens a lot, obviously. And it, just there's something about driving down that road and driving up in that parking lot. And to this day, I was up there this weekend uh, to see some people. And there's something about that experience. It's just very emotional, and it reminded me of MacRohannis going to MacRohannis. So I put that quote in there uh, from Michael about Macrihannis from To the Links Land. So I sent him a copy of the book. Just mailed it to him, found his uh somebody gave me his address. Maybe somebody from New Club, I think. Had he'd been on a podcast, they had his address or his email or his address. Anyway, I got his address, sent him the book, cold, put a note in there, and he I didn't expect anything because I know how I know how it is. I mean, I know even you guys probably get bombarded with stuff and um, I didn't really expect to hear anything. And he, he, um, he sent me an email. He got my email and he sent me an email. I said, Jim, I've got your book. I'd really like to talk to you. Here's my cell phone. Call me anytime. So I called him and, um, we had about an hour conversation about the book and he said, and I won't get into a lot of it, but he, he just said, you know, this is one of the best things I've read. He said, I get sent stuff a lot. And he said, quite honestly, I don't even read it. He said, I'm not being ugly, but I just, I give it to the library or I just, I don't have time. I just, he said, I've got friends that write stuff. And he said, I write stuff. He said, I just don't have a lot of time, but he said, I just, your book came in one day and I opened the package and I was in the kitchen and I opened it up and I saw that picture on the dedication page of your son. And I thought this is the best, most perfect picture I've ever seen on a golf in a golf book. And he said, I've got to read this book. And he said, I've read it and now I've read it two or three times and he just could not. And it just floored me. He could not have been any nicer to me. And he I wound up sending him the stuff that I've written for y'all and the Lynx Diary, the book the magazine, the great journal that I write for in Scotland. I hate not to mention those guys. They just do a great job. I sent him all those stories and he just every one of them, he's like, This is really good and he found. he said, Look, we he said he knew I was writing this new book and he said, Um, anything I can do to help you on this, I'll do it. And um I asked him if he would write the forward and he said, yes. And so he did, um, you know, so that, that's how that happened. And then Wright Thompson was different because I'd never met Wright Thompson, he, he, you know, he's great. And I don't know if you watch the show true South on the SEC network, but it's the best, it's actually the best, probably the best show on television that he produces with John Edge and it's just brilliant. They go around the south to these hole in the wall places and uh, it's just great. They're, I need and, uh, I need to anyway, watch that. I, yeah, I have not seen you, it. I, I need all right, to Okay. Go Yeah. All right. If you can get I'm sure you can get it one way or another, but on SEC network, look up True South, you would eat this show up. It is literally it's the best thing on television. Uh but anyway, um I wrote the golfers journal story. And I started hearing from all these people. I just honestly, I got up one morning and I had a hundred emails about it. And I just like, how am I even going to respond to these people? And one night I was sitting in here working and I I got an email and it was from Wright Thompson and it said, uh, I can't even remember what it was called, but he, I didn't know him and he, he got, he had my email and, um, he said, um, the email said, I've got your story from golf journal, Kevin van Valkenberg sent it to me. And he said, it's one of the best things I've ever read. He said, I can't, I can't remember what all he said, but it was just all just, I, I'm like. I and he said, if there's anything I can do to help you, just let me know. And I didn't even know, he he started, what was funny, he started, he said, I don't know if you know who I am. And I, and I think I responded, <laughs> yeah, I watch your show every, <laughs> you know, I, I love your show. It's my favorite show. And yeah. uh, I said, look, um, I don't know, but I said, if I, let me think about it. And then a few weeks later, I said, would you mind writing an afterword for this book? And he said, I'll do anything you want. And um, it's, what he wrote is beautiful. It's just, um well, you've you've read it, and just uh, and to have somebody like that, who I think, uh, again, I think I think him and Michael are like they're just really old school writers, the type that are not as prevalent as they used to be, and they still I love what they do, but to have both of them do this for me, I can't even honestly. I've told a couple of people about it, and. Of course, we've let it, it's been posted on Twitter and stuff, but a couple of my friends like Rob Collins, who you know, and and Kevin Moore um, and John Allen, I'm like, I can't believe that these guys have written this for me. And they're like, well, your book's good. You deserve that. But I, it's hard for me to, honestly, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it, Randy, to be honest. I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, you being a, a Cincinnati Reds man and so forth it'd be like uh Johnny Bench writing for your your right. book or so. you just you, you know what i'm saying you just feel like i don't even understand this you know i know
0: exactly i know exactly, you know? I know exactly. <laughs> yeah I, I i do think i i know it makes you feel uncomfortable but it 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 absolutely is the truth that it's it's deserved it on your part and i think it's a testament to the effect that that this story and, and your words and your experiences and your wisdom and what you've learned can do for people. It's, it's your loss is unique in the sense of your son and, and you and, and your family. But it, it's unfortunately it's, it's a near universal thing that everybody has to go through. And so, well, you I, know what? Um,
1: it's uh, unfortunately, It's just too prevalent. I mean, again, I've heard. I I wouldn't even begin to tell you these messages I've gotten from people. It just breaks my heart. Again, I wish there was something we could do, in this country, to. I well, look. I think I don't think we treat mental health correctly. I do not think that. Jordan was the happiest kid that ever lived, and then something happened. He got prescribed Adderall by by a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and he started. He changed, and that was not right. That was not right. What that what this doctor did, he did. This was wrong. This drug is prescribed too much. It is a it is a horrible drug. I'm sure, and look. It helps people, Randy. I'm not a doctor. Um. I know it must help people, but I guarantee you it hurts as many people as it helps. And I think we are so quick to prescribe stuff in this country. It's not right, and that's that. I did want to get that message across. That drug changed Jordan. He was a happy kid, and I'm. I want parents to know that making good grades is not worth taking Adderall making good grades is not worth anything if your kids aren't around and you don't need you just don't need to worry about it that much they they're, they're going to be fine if you can just get them through i'm telling you Randy I, and, I, and i know you don't have children but the, that that stretch from 17 to 21 is so hard for kids yeah it's so hard in this world to figure out what you want to do and and you know you don't need to worry about making an A or a B. Yeah, you school is important. And look, I I went. I've that's been a big part of my life, and you know my family's life. But it's not worth taking a drug because you can't focus at school, supposedly. And it's something that changes your personality, and it, it did Jordan, and it just made him it led him into doing some stuff that he wouldn't even, he wasn't even doing a lot of it, but it was enough that killed him. And it just, I just want people. And I, I hate to go back on this at the, at, at you know, kind of toward the end of our conversation, but I just, I do want parents to think about it. It's not worth that. I mean that these drugs are strong and they're, they're mind altering and, um, you know, we made it for a lot of years in the world without this stuff and I don't know. I I I wish I thought I was doing the right thing and I, I've I've come to you know, that's part of the book is trying to not blame myself and my and you know, for for this, but um uh, and we had him go into a psychiatrist. We thought it was the right thing. And this is a doctor and this drug was not good for him and um I questioned it but I just you know, and the thing is, it'll it it it's a false economy because it will make you, it will help you. I mean, you know this. You're not too far removed from college. I'm sure you can sit here and tell me when you were at school, there were people taking Adderall so they could study for a test and stuff. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not something to be played around with. And I, I hate to harp on this now, but I just, um, and I'm gonna shut up. But I just that. I want parents to think about the grades are not the most important thing, um, sports are not the most important thing. What's important is living your life and your your family being happy and your kids being happy and you know trying to do the best you can in the world. And um, anyway, I, I didn't mean to go back on that, but I just uh, I did want to get that point across because I just feel like we just don't treat mental health correctly. And then on top of that, we've got this problem with fentanyl, which is just rampant. I mean, every day I open it, the paper. It's insidious. Every it's, day. It's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's every day, Randy, every day you re, you open uh, whatever website you get your news from. And there's a fentanyl death. There's a fentanyl death. It's in every small town. Yeah. And why? And it's well, and, and a lot of times it's, it's kids that are just, you know,
0: I don't know. It's well, anyway, and we don't have to harp on it, but it it goes back yeah. to you know they're they're drugs of despair, they're they're deaths of despair. It's yeah. Yeah. that's. I I agree with you. I I was gonna ask: Is there any type of advocacy group or anybody that you've gotten connected to that you would point people towards that might be interested in either? Helping
1: or or learning more is is there anything along those lines? Well, uh, honestly, I really haven't. To be quite honest with you, I just it's still been less than a year and a half. I just one the one thing I've tried to do from a a charity standpoint, and you mentioned this earlier, is I have tried to you know when this happened, I I didn't want to waste a bunch of money on stuff, and I actually. Astron, I said, who do you, what's your favorite golf charity? He said, well, Youth on Course is my favorite one. So, what I've done since that time is tried to raise money for Youth on Course. And I know that's not drug related in any way, but I just, the one, that's what I've tried to do. I've, I've, uh, I'm selling this calendar on my website, which after the printing costs and so forth, I'll donate the money. And um, that's what I've tried to do. I, I, I just, I don't know. I honestly no. I haven't. I haven't found a any group like that. Um, you know, but you just have to, you know, you just have to look, read um, CNN or read or watch the, the news in the morning. And it's just it's just kids that are just out like me and you used to doing in high school. And it. it it's just it's just. I don't know. It it, it, as bad as things have always been with with that. It just seems like this is another level, and I don't know the answer to it. But I just I do. I did want to say just and not to. I hate to go back on that and harp on it now, but you know, just think about it. If your kid struggles, um, don't automatically accept that the doctor says, well, you need to take Adderall or you need to take Zoloft or, um, whatever these mind altering things are. Um, you know, so, cause we made it, you're, you're a good bit younger than me, but, um, you know, we made it without that stuff. And I, I'm going to sound like an old man, but I just, I just think we're too quick to, to fall back on that stuff, which can, can affect people's brain patterns and stuff. cause, and then they wound up wanting to do other things that make it even worse. So, yeah, um, you know. Anyway, I, and not to—I I didn't mean to belabor that. I, I did. It is, and I don't want that to be the main point of this discussion. But I, I do want parents to—I do want I, parents to think about it, especially especially these kids that are like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, six. That that age is so difficult and. Kids struggle so much, and they're under so much pressure. And um, just think about what you're doing. Is all is all I'm trying to say. I,
0: I think that's I, I think that's a great message. I, I think if I have learned anything, it's it's certainly that everybody's unique, and what works for one person will not necessarily work for somebody else. And I, I think everybody. Has to work to find what's what's good for them, whether that be yeah. medicine or otherwise. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a very important message, Jim. I was I was wondering if I could ask you uh, maybe two personal questions before uh, before I let you go. Um, one, just selfishly, and there's no easy way to ask this, but something that I've always struggled with candidly is what to say to somebody that has gone through something that, in this case, you know, I don't have kids. I, I can't begin to relate or imagine what it's like. Through your experiences, what would you say to somebody like me who I I don't, I'm so nervous to say the wrong thing, but yet I I want to show my, my love and support. Is there something that you found to be helpful that that people such as myself uh could could think
1: about in you know well in, in times no, in the future it's very, yeah it's a fair question because I, it, i've i thought about this a lot because um you don't know what to say and um i know there are people you know even today i mean i, I think i write about this in the book but i just I get asked, um, how many kids do you have? Or, you know, And I'm like, what do I even say? I, I, and I think I, I wrote about this in, in the book in one scene where somebody asked me that and I just finally had to say, you know, Jordan was my son and he lived 21 years and it's not like he didn't live his life and do all the stuff he did. And he did a lot of great stuff and I've got to talk about that. But on the flip side of that, um, I noticed it's—I don't know—I had—I think for me, the people that just hugged me and said they love me, and um, if there's anything I can do, call me. That was it, Randy. Honestly, I—you really cannot. I don't think you can do anything more than that. It's such a horrific situation. Um you know there's a, another story in the book with this friend of my dad's who a friend of his of 60 years. I mean think about that. Came up to me after the funeral and said something. And I won't reveal it, but you can read it. I just I don't know. I, I, you, you can't do much. I mean, you can't, you can't. I think the thing that I felt the best about were people just calling me or coming to the house and saying, "Look, I love you. If I can do anything, let me know." And not even really staying very long because you just don't feel like talking to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it just that's all you can do. I mean, I, it's just not even quantifiable from a normal human interaction standpoint and it's a good a very good question because I've actually thought about it a lot because I know people are uncomfortable um and it's been a year and a half now so it's it does get a little bit easier but um you know there's just not much you can do other than that um human connection and and you know covid took a lot of that away from us uh, and that's one of the hidden you know really tragedies of covid is is taking the connection from people um that you have and so i my point is i just think uh saying look i love you can i do anything because you can't comprehend and you know i have talked to people that have been through the same thing and it's just terrific to talk to them too and You know, I had a couple people reach out to me that did not even know, like, the week that Jordan died. I don't know where they even got my name from. And they had had something similar happen. And they actually helped me get through that first few days. I had one lady call me who I don't know where even she got got my name from or my number or anything. And she had had her son, who was 12, had died suddenly a couple years before that. And she just didn't say much. She said, look, I know somebody that knows you. And, um, you know, if you, the only thing I'm going to say is, um, don't make any decisions about anything for the next year. And that's basically what she told me. And this was, and that was it. And, um, she had a good point because, um, You just, when, when this happens, you're just like, what do I do? What, 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 where do we, how do we even continue? What do we, you know, Jordan lived with us and you know, what do we do with this room? What do we do with his car? What do we, all this stuff. And so I had a couple of people like that, that were actually very helpful whether they know it or not. Um, just giving me a little bit of, you know, a couple of things here and there like that. But as far as what you do, um, you just, all I can say is hug somebody, say, I love you. Can I help you? Because I I will say that, um, at some point it's fun to talk. It's, it becomes enjoyable to talk to your friends and, um, you know, going up to Sweetens, which it's been tough for me because Jordan loves Sweetens Cove and, you know, they dedicated a bench to him on the first tee. And, um, it's still hard for me to go up there, but I went. Uh, Friday and saw everybody and, um, you know, everybody, I hugged my friends and that's what I, that's to me, that's all you can do. I just, um, you know, life is, uh, trying to get through it and enjoy it and do the best you can. And there's nothing you can really say. It's just, it's just, uh, don't try to say a lot because that's the worst thing. Just mm-hmm, say a little bit and say, I'm here. And that's all you can do thank you i I appreciate that um, the
0: and the last thing I wanted to ask you is just about grief and I think everybody is somewhat familiar with the concept of of the stages of grief right um h- how have you found that A- has there been anything that's really um you would disagree with about about the the traditional stages of grief or is that something you know i i just think about time and and eventually um where it leads to i and i don't want to say acceptance because that never feels like the right word but has that has that mirrored your 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 personal
1: journey you know i actually thought about that i don't know that it has exactly as the textbook definition is i um you know i would say that the first few weeks it did not seem realistic i mean you know how can a 21 year old kid who looks like he could run a marathon be dead it just doesn't even make sense i mean it just um it's not your mind can't process it so i think you know I can remember those first weeks. I couldn't sleep and I would think I would hear Jordan's car coming up the street and which I always used to hear him coming home and stuff and um I don't it didn't really do that that way for me. I just um No, I don't know what to tell you about it. I just uh, eventually I started being able to just say, okay, this is, this is what's happened. And, um, I have to find out, figure out a way to keep going. And, you know, this trip helped me on that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I did, and I write about this in the book. I, I guess I did, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit disingenuous. I did, I did have a phase where I was really mad. And I was like, why did this happen? And what caused it? And I, I called the police and I went, I talked to the coroner. Um, I wanted to have this other kid that was with him investigated. Um, So I did go through that. I mean, maybe I'm being a little bit disingenuous. I did have a few days where I was like, okay, I've got to do something about this. And there's nothing you can do, but I've, I'm like, what, I've got to, I've got to, do whatever I can to figure out why this happened. And after a few days I realized, okay, that's not going to give me, maybe I'll find out something. Maybe I won't, you know, and it just wasn't, I don't know. I just dropped it. I'm like, okay, this isn't going to go anywhere. Um, what is it really going to do for me or for us? um, So I did have, I did, there is a stage where you're just mad at everything. You're like, how can this happen to somebody? Um, So maybe there was a little bit of it. I don't, but I don't, I guess I didn't, I don't say that I went through each one of these steps or whatever, but I, I do remember just, for me, it was just not understanding and just being numb and then being mad and then, Realizing that I had to figure out a way to keep going, you know, cause I did have two other boys and a grandson now and my dad's still around and there's a lot of writing I want to do. And I'm, I'm a successful architect and you know, you do think, uh, you know, Jordan wouldn't want me to just give up. And so that does factor into it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I went through the traditional step-by-step process. I do remember, I do remember being very mad for a few days mm-hmm. and um, wanting to blame somebody, because um, it just doesn't make any sense. To this day, it was a very small amount of of drugs, and it shouldn't have happened. And it just, but you're not going to know. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things, and you know, the 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 events that had to fall into place for this to happen are so convoluted. If you sit there and think about it, you'll lose your mind. And, um, you know, so I just got to the point and it really was kind of after this trip that I'm like, all right, I've got to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to do my writing. I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying to to do some of the stuff I've done. And, you know, I've met a lot of people over the last few years and, there's still some stuff I can do and so, yeah, I just, I know that's kind of a rambling answer, but I just, I didn't, I may have gone through a a condensed version of that, but I didn't, I didn't see it as a step-by-step process, but I, I do remember, I do remember the being mad part of it. I clearly. Yeah.
0: Well, Jim, I, I don't tell you this enough. I, I love you the no laying up guys you are such a, a favorite of ours i've known you now for five or six years and i don't get to see you that often but you're just one of those people that every time i even get to talk to you in a format like this you just put me at ease and that's about the highest compliment i think i can pay anybody and so i want you to know that you know we we love you Um we give you that hug. I know it's not easy, one, to write about this. And I know it's even more difficult to then have to go back and talk about all this for me. And so I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about your book and, and how it came to be and a lot of your emotions and, and things that went into it. And, and I do want to stress to listeners, and, I, and we did talk about it, it, it's a beautiful book and it's a beautiful message it's it's a companion for golf and adventure and getting out and seeing the world and seeing new places and it's also a companion if if you happen to be going through a a tragedy or certainly for folks that have gone through very difficult times it's just a story about what it is to be human i think at the end of the day and so I, I really, really, really wanna deeply thank you for for writing this and for putting this out there because it's it's such an important piece.
1: Well, it's all that stuff and I want it to be all that and um you know, having been through this and I've read I've read book after book in my life and you know, I want this to be an enjoyable and it is an enjoyable book to read and it has parts in it that are hard to read, but um, that's part of it. But if you're going to Scotland, um, I certainly would advise you to get this book or you're planning to go to Scotland. It may give you a different way of looking at, at, at traveling over there And this just brilliant, brilliant country that's like a miracle that it exists with these islands and these just... I can't even really begin to describe it in the you know so it's 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 not just it it's really a lot about that too so i really wanted it to be a golf book and i i think it is uh, but it also had as you say it has it has another message too which i tried to make a theme of the story but not overwhelming part of the story for people cuz i wanted i wanted people to enjoy the book too but you know what Randy i mean you read a lot i mean what's the point of reading if you don't, if you don't feel something from it? I mean, you know, it just, it, you know, it's,
0: so that's exactly right. It's, it's the Jim yeah. Malvano. I, I know it's almost cliche at this point, but if you can love and if you can laugh and if you can cry every day, I mean, that's, that's a full day. That's the full range of emotion there.
1: Definitely. I agree. Well,
0: I, we've talked about youth on course i I would greatly encourage anybody that's looking to donate or or get involved with a good cause they do wonderful stuff we've supported them uh, with some various stuff at no Lang up folks can find your calendar at com. they can purchase that the book of course when revelation comes is available through back nine press um what else am i missing i i mentioned the the twitter and instagram handles at the top of the show
1: uh any uh, what any what about any with, anywhere else you would point people jim well the only other one i would say if you don't mind is um the links uh, yes i've i've, I've written the story for i think we're coming up on the fifth issue now and i've got a i've got a story coming out in the fifth issue uh which is actually coming out in about two or three weeks on Askernish. Um, and those guys are so great. And they, they have really tried to create a, I would say a golfer's journal, Scottish, a Scottish golfer's journal. And they've done a pretty good job. And I've, so I've written about Cullen, which I've interviewed you for and, um, Denaverty and, um, mockery Bay. And anyway, the, I've got, the, I've got one coming out in the next issue on Askernish, and um, it's been so much fun to work with those guys. They they have brilliant photographers, and they've really tried to promote Scottish golf. And um, they were one of the first ones that, and I, I actually write about this in the book. They were one of the first people to really take interest in my writing, and it, it's meant a lot to me. And I've I've gotten to be really good friends with them. So yes, I, I would, and I think. Maybe Solly knows one of the guys, but they, they, they do a good job. So, um, that would be the other one I would mention, would be the linksdiary.com. So, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, thank you
0: again. I appreciate your patience with, with some of my questions. This was not. Well, I hope I, 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 hope for, I didn't go on. Uh, no, it's, it's, yeah. Jim, you. You are you were wonderful. It was it was just yeah. perfect and I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your experience. Thank you. You're a good friend. I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke.